right? I want to reflect on Sunday and try to just sort of expand our thoughts on what it means. And we're going to sort of round the corner to the idea of Sabbath. I enjoy, um, with Annabeth every now and then, driving through the St. Jacob's and Elmira area. And one of the things I love best is at the end of the long lanes to the old order farms, what does the sign say? Come on, you've been there. No Sunday sales. right? And that's always refreshing to me in some way because there's something nostalgic about what Sunday was. Now, there were problems with what Sunday was. It was not fun to be a kid on Sundays growing up in Northern Ireland. It was the day you woke up and went, oh, it's Sunday. That means church like three times. A bunch of old ladies that you can't see past their hats to see whatever is going on at the front. Um, and not allowed to have any fun. Like It was not a fun day, ever, ever for me. Sundays have changed. If you go to Israel, um, you will find that they have a fairly similar approach to Shabbat, which is not Sunday, but it is Friday sundown till evening on Sunday, on Saturday. And since the rabbis are in charge of tourism in Israel, they close everything down for Sabbath, for Shabbat. Um, there are Shabbat elevators where you don't have to press any buttons. They stop at every floor, lest you would have to work. They have Shabbat lights in the hotel rooms, lest you would have to turn a switch, which would be work. Because the forbidden thing is to do any work on Sabbath. It's kind of the same approach to a holy day as the Sunday approach we used to have. There's not a lot of fun in making sure that everybody keeps the laws of Sabbath. And so the notion of Sabbath and the Lord's Day and Sunday come with some baggage that would maybe bring us to the point of wondering, well, why are we going to talk about this? Because I'm just sort of glad that it's not like it was. I'm glad that I can wear something casual on Sunday. I'm glad that um, it's not the way it was when years ago a good friend of mine from high school came to church for her first time in many, many, many years. And at the end of a communion service, she saw me in the lobby and she said, what was that? I said, what? She said, 20 men in suits staring down people? That's evil. The very same morning, an elder's wife came and said, isn't it wonderful to see the men take their place at the front? Different notions and different understandings, different paradigms about what a holy day is and what you're supposed to do on the holy day. All of your grandmothers have given you the line, if the Queen of England, you can complete the sentence, right? Well, the Queen of England is no longer here. And I doubt that if the King of England were to come here, anyone would act any differently, right? What is it all about? 
Years and years ago, I was in Gabon in West Africa, and I woke up in the morning, and I was there in a, um, a missionary's house, and I was all by myself, and I woke up to the sound of drums beating in the distance. It was just fascinating. I, I heard drums, and, and I could tell that's what they were, and, and Gabon has all kinds of rivers, and the, the sound of the drums came down the river, getting closer and closer to where we were. Every set of drums that I heard playing was a little bit louder, a little bit closer, to the point that they almost came to where we were staying. And I didn't know what it meant. What are drums? I, I'm a Westerner. I'm, I, I, I know stories about war drums, and should I be afraid of these drums getting closer? Well. What I understood as I went for breakfast is that Stephen, my, my host, said, you know what the drums were doing? And I said, what? He said, they were calling us to church. I thought, what a wonderful way to wake up on a Sunday morning. The drums were like the church bells, the chimes that you hear on Main Street. They were calling people to worship. And then the end of that was that as we went to this church, which was simply a huge building with a thatch roof over top and it was all exposed to the outside. When we gathered in church from three directions, and I, I could literally sense the direction that I was hearing, from three directions came the sound of singing. Three choirs converged on this building they somehow or other found themselves able to sing the same thing in the same key. And when they conversed in the building and came into the building, there was a glorious time of expression of desire to come and to worship God. And I thought, that is glorious. There's not much in my memory that would parallel that kind of celebration of a holy day a Sunday, a Sabbath, a Shabbat. And so as we continue to slow down, we're going to slow down around the idea of Shabbat. And I want, first of all, to establish a rule of thumb that you need to be ready to call out any time a conversation goes south on Sabbath. From Mark chapter 2, we have an occasion where Jesus is walking with his disciples through the cornfields. And they pluck some corn and start to chew on it. And here's the kind of the epitome of legal Sabbath keeping or legal law keeping as it relates to Sundays. The Pharisees came and said, why do you let your disciples do what is illegal on the Sabbath? And what Jesus said to them needs to become the rule of thumb for this little stretch of our learning together. What Jesus said to them was this, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We need to superimpose that rule of thumb on all of our understandings of a holy day, of a Sunday, of a Sabbath, um, of a particular time and place when we might gather in a way that we call holy and say, 
this is what that holiness is about. First of all, we begin to think something holy means what you can't do more than what you can do. Jesus said, you don't get it. He gives an illustration from the Old Testament and David, and he says, here's the truth. Here's the rule of thumb. Man was not made for the Sabbath. God did not establish a Sabbath and populate it with man. God made man and said, I have for this man, for mankind, for humankind, for men and women, I have a wonderful gift. It's the gift of Sabbath. And at the end of this stretch, I hope that we will have made a a sharp turn when we say Sabbath is God's gift. One of the things that we learn is that in, in the character of God, which is essentially love, Almost everything that we notice is an expression of that love. It's, it's a way in which God says, how can I um, pour out my love? How can I magnify my love? How can I make my love available to those people whom I have created out of my love? And one of the things that God decided to do was give us Sabbath. So let's sort of get our heads turned around as well as we can and let's Forget the things that we used to do on Sunday that we wish we didn't have to do. Maybe go back to some of the things we should do on a Sunday. Like Sunday lunches with mom and dad, right? Zomers, isn't that part of your big tradition from your mom told me? Tom, how many of you remember going home to mom or grandma's house for lunch on Sundays? Every Sunday. And how wonderful it was. So. I think there are a lot of things sociologically that we could return to. And we maybe ought not to so quickly dispense with, oh yeah, Sunday closings, that was was a bad thing. That was legalism. Well, did it provide an opportunity for family, for community, for relationships, for slowing down? And how well are we doing now that we can do everything we want on Sundays? Oh, it's convenient to be able to go to a gas station and get gas. It's convenient for Christians to be able to go to Swiss Chalet, even though we make other people work for us. Right? I, I want to bring you this morning to an understanding of Sabbath um, that, that is part of what we're talking about in our communities, in our particular little journey on Sabbath. The word Sabbath simply means stop. It's not a complicated word. It's not a difficult concept. It means in its various vocabularies in the Old Testament and New Testament to just stop, to cease. Annabeth, my wife, and I can tell lots of stories about her because she's always up there and she can't get down in time to stop me. Um, She is a compulsive house cleaner. Like, she drives me nuts. Um, She has a love-hate relationship with our dog. Um, She loves her, but she says she hates the fact that she tracks in mud and snow. But every time Melly does track in that snow and mud, Annabeth gets to clean the floor. And I think she loves doing it. She's a compulsive cleaner. Wherever she goes, she will clean house. She will dust. She will mop. To the point that um, our daughter-in-law, Nicole, um, 
One day was encountering Annabeth in one of Annabeth's house cleaning moods. And she finally said to Annabeth, Annabeth, stop yourself. And that's become kind of a joke with Annabeth and Nicole. It's like, if Annabeth's going to be in Nicole's house, Nicole's going to say, Annabeth, you stop yourself. No cleaning, no mopping, no dusting. You stop yourself. The idea of Sabbath is simply that, stop. No more profound. Well, it is more profound than that. It's deeper than that. But Sabbath simply means stop doing what you were doing. Maybe stop being what you were being. Just stop, will you? When was the last time you stopped? And what did you do with the stoppage? Um, In the Old Testament, um, we find this account about creation. As Genesis 2 begins to summarize what Genesis 1 was about, we're given this by the historian. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he stopped. He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Oh, be careful with that. It doesn't mean he made a list of rules of things you're not allowed to do. He made it special. He said, this is holy. This is wonderful. Because in it, he stopped from all his work, which God had created and made. As we have the account of creation in Genesis 1 and 2, um, it's, it's a wonderful piece of literature, I mean, it's profound literature. Um, the point of Genesis 1, and I get on something nice here, the point of Genesis 1 is not science. It is not to tell us how God created. Did he create in literal days, in literal hours? I, I don't think so. The point of Genesis 1 is the theology of creation. It is... Um, And again, careful with the terminology, it's a myth of creation because every culture had a myth, a story around creation. You'll remember some of them, like the Babylonian stories. Genesis 1 is the myth of creation that is unique to the Judeo-Christian heritage in which we begin by understanding, in the beginning, God That's the point of Genesis 1. It's not to say what happened in what day, or was it 6,000 years ago or millions of years ago. It doesn't really matter. The point is, the story begins with this. God was. In the beginning, God. God what? In the beginning, God created. So then we have a beautiful um, sort of poetic telling of what came into being because of God's agency by the agency of of his son, as we learn later on. But by the time we get to Genesis 2, um, we're told that when God had finished all of that, he stopped. All the things God did, like all of the animals, all of the creation, all of nature, all, all of everything, it was like God did it all, and then he stopped. He stopped. And, and he looked at it, 
And he saw that it was good. And he said, it's good. In fact, he summarizes it by saying it's very good. It's very, very good. There's only one thing that wasn't good. And this is for a husband-wife talk. The only thing that wasn't good was that man was by himself. So understand that, guys. You by yourself are not good enough. God did not say, oh, look, I've just made a guy. Isn't he marvelous? He goes, nah. Anybody got any better ideas? Well, he goes on. He says, I know. I'll make a better one. And he said, I will make someone who was a help for him. And we've turned that through the years and said, aha, she's my help me. No, the word help always in the Hebrew means a superior rescuer. So if your husband ever says that you are his little help meet, remind him that it simply means that you needed help, you needed to be rescued, and God gave you to him. That, that's for free. What was the first thing we did after we were created? What did we do on our first day? What's the answer? We rested. We showed up and said, okay, what do I have to do? God said, it's done. Well, I mean, you want help, right? You want, you want it to be, no, it's done. What do you want us to do? I'm resting. Why don't you join me? That is a really profound truth that our beginning was after all of God's work. It was when he stopped, having also made us, that he said, now, the point of all of this is about you. It's about us. It's about walking together. It's about coming to know one another. It's about the glory of creation and the fact that I'm done and you get to participate in the wonderful things that I have done. So God did make that day a very special day. And then he did what he has done, which is that he will often say, if I leave them to themselves, they will mess this up. So I'm going to make a rhythm for humankind. It's the rhythm of Sabbath. It's the rhythm that says, when you finish doing things, the next thing to do is rest. And we're going to see that actually, indicated by the fact that the first thing we did was rest, the theology of Sabbath in the whole Bible is that we rest and then we work. God says, start with rest, start with abiding, like we saw a few weeks ago, then you can bear fruit. Start with what I have done, and, and then out of that, live a fruitful life. Into the New Testament, um, we find that in the letter to the Hebrews, which is a very complicated letter to read, we're, we're still not sure who wrote it. We're not sure, was it to Christian um, believers, uh, to Jewish converts to Christianity? But Hebrews is full of a really uh, powerful theology. It, it, one of the main aspects of that theology is the theology of rest. So the writer to the Hebrews says this, so there remains a Sabbath rest. It's actually the Greek word sabbatismos, which is exactly the word Sabbath, for the people of God. 
For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let's be diligent to enter that rest. I think there are two ways that we see the concept of, of Sabbath being worked out in, in the scriptures for us. There, the fact that Sabbath was a rhythm um, that was physically endorsed, blessed, and given by God as a, as a wonderful gift to us. But the concept of Sabbath is a spiritual concept um, that, that gives incredible life to our understanding of how we get in a relationship with God. The way that we get into a relationship with God is not to work our way there. That would contradict the theology of Sabbath and the notion that Sabbath comes after God does work, not after what we have done. And the writer to, to the Hebrews is saying, there is a way you can try to live which is out of sync with God, and it's not going to work. But there is one way that you can be in a relationship with God in an incredibly powerful and eternal way, and it is by entering his rest. So God has done everything that needs to be done so that we could be in a relationship with him. Anytime we try to do something to enhance that, we mess it up. Someone has said there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. So the Christian lives that we live have nothing to do with the works that we do so that God is impressed by us. The lives that we live are only effective when they live out of the rest of God. And the rest of God is a rhythm in our physical lives, our physical world. And the rest of God is a reality, is the bedrock of our spiritual lives. And so we should pay close attention to Sabbath. Because what makes Sabbath very powerful for us is that it elevates us immediately to, as the reformers said, to be kings and queens, everybody on the Sabbath. It elevates all of us to understand that we are in a stature that has been attained not by anything we have done, but by all that God has done, and we just get to be there. Like, God, what do you want me to do now that I'm in a relationship with you? Well, nothing. If you, there are some things I want you to do, but not so you can be in a relationship with me because you are in a relationship with me. So we do well to practice Sabbath just as a rhythm of our lives. We do really well to practice Sabbath as a spiritual commitment of our lives. Understanding, uh, and, and this gets us all on level ground, that understanding all that needs to be done is done by God and will be done by God, never by us. Except that we will, out of gratitude, we will say thanks, thanks, thanks to him by living lives that are true to the nature that we have now that we're in Christ. What ought we to do about Sabbath? I just want to talk about some Sabbath lessons. One of the most provocative questions that I've had in my mind for the last 10 or 20 years is, is it a matter of resting from work or working from rest? 
And the, the difference between those two things is, is really incredible. We tend, as human beings, having continually messed up our understanding of God's rhythm and how it really works out, we have tended to crash towards exhaustion, right? So that, that's, that, that's popular. I think Andrew said, when we have to answer about each other, how's your week been? Really, really busy, but good. And the most commendable thing we might say is that, boy, Tim is really tired out. That guy works really hard. He deserves a rest. So the rhythm that we make up for ourselves is we work ourselves like crazy and then we crash towards a rest. What if we could practically live lives in which we work from rest instead of resting from work? How would you like uh, to be able to show up to your employer on Monday morning and say, I am thoroughly rested and I'm ready to work for the rest of this week. How, how do we usually show up? I had a crazy weekend, I'm exhausted, I partied all night, I am done. So don't expect too much of me this morning, and by the way, when's coffee? Right. If, if we understand that humanness is being like God, um, that we are in his image, and the way God works, um, is that he invites us to enter into his Sabbath, by which we say, we're going to turn that around, and we're going to live out of rest instead of crashing towards rest. Can you think of sometimes when you honestly did show up to do something with a full and rested heart? Um, it's wonderful, isn't it? Rather than work like crazy to get to Friday, you know, the radio stations, everything is telling us, thank God it's Friday, thank God it's Friday, because like the week was crazy, and now we all get to just like party and relax and get ready for the next time around. But we don't get ready with the, for the next time around with a full tank. We, we come into the start of the week already half full and deplete ourselves for the rest of the time. So I, this is a, like a pr practical maxim that we ought to be trying to work from rest instead of resting from work. One lesson we could learn from Sabbath. I thought often about what the rhythms of Sabbath are. And it seems to me there are aspects to our observance of the rhythm of Sabbath that are just really practical. First of all, we rest. Sleep is something of which we are deprived and we deprive ourselves of all the time. And we're, we're talking about that and thinking about that and practicing the way. So the first thing that we will do in, in a healthy Sabbath is we will rest. We'll sleep. Um, you feel guilty if you do nothing? This, this is the start of getting over that where you say, it's okay. If, if Sunday is our Sabbath, um, and, and many times, practically speaking, that's what, what it is, we might start by saying, you know what, that, that's news on Sunday afternoon. I, I shouldn't feel guilty about it. I should enjoy it. Right. Rest. What, whatever way we need to enter into physical rest. Because work has exerted energy and expended energy and 
um, we do need to have rest to get ourselves recalibrated. The second thing is to review. Um, we talked quite a while ago about the Ignatian um, way of examine, the, the prayer of examine. And in th that Catholic practice, um, we are encouraged to reflect on the days or the periods uh, over which we're reviewing. And we're invited to think about matters of consolation and matters of desolation. And maybe it's an evening practice where um, we, we come into God's presence and we say, I'm, this is my evening Sabbath, I'm going to think back over the day. There are things over which I'm desolate. There are things I'm sorry about. But there are other things that I am consolate about. There are things that I am grateful for. There are things that I did well. Do, do we tend to give ourselves enough credit? I mean, we're living in a world and in a society and in churches that, that basically pile up to tell us we don't do anything well. Many of us have a, have a default that basically says, I mess up all the time. I used to try not to mess up, but I even stopped trying. I do mess up. When, when God began his rest, he began by reviewing what he had done. And he said, it's good. When was the last time you reflected on something in your day and said, that was good? When was the first time or the last time, rather than feeling you know, um, disappointed or having failed in some aspect of raising your children or being children or what, whatever, that you said, you know what? I'm really, I'm really proud of what I did here. I remember when my uncle, I, I got to marry both of his daughters, my, my two cousins. And in the second wedding, I said to him, Uncle Bob, um, is, is it tough now to see your daughters like moving away? And he said, no, not, not at all. I said, why? He said, I have done what I was supposed to do. And I'm proud of who they are. And he did do a marvelous job. They are wonderful young women. But to hear him say, uh, you know, I did what I should do, and I'm glad. I'm proud of it. It was good. We can do good things, fallen though we are and broken though we are. And in this step of Sabbath, we, we need to look back and say, that was good. Like, I, I really did what I should have done. I really did what I wanted to do. It was successful, and I think even for the right reasons. And the things that are those that cause desolation, we simply give them away and say, okay, tomorrow's a new day. Next week is a new week. Every next is a new opportunity so that we can live by faith into the consolation rather than the desolation. We need to refresh ourselves. And each of us, I think, probably would have a unique way in which our souls can be refreshed. Some standard ways are the meditation on scripture. As Laura said, walking in the woods, walking in nature. Um, I'd rather walk in nature when it's warmer than today. 
But the various ways that our souls are refreshed. Music. It was the last time you just, you know, put on some headphones with some good classical music or whatever music you think is good. And, and you just found that you were refreshed. When was the last time you just wanted time with some friends or some family to be refreshed? And when we are refreshed, then we can go back and restart the lives that God has given us to live. A, a really simple plan that we can place into our lives, into our schedules. And Sabbath is not a law, remember? The rule of thumb. It's a gift for you. So however Sabbath makes sense to you, use these steps to make it work in your life and to form you into the rested person, to the speed of love person that you really want to be. Uh, maybe it's Sundays because that works often. Or as is being suggested, maybe it's a midweek rest like, like Wednesday. Maybe there are different spans of Sabbath. Maybe we need to have yearly Sabbaths of several weeks or, or months or even a sabbatical of, of a year. All of these were laws that were given by God as gifts to his people so that they would be the covenant people that he wanted them to be and that would delight them. Maybe Sabbath is just a daily thing where you say, um, my Sabbath is every night or every morning. Maybe it's 6 o'clock every morning for 45 minutes on the porch or in, in my chair or whatever. Um, but we need to have those rhythms. And unless we live into those rhythms, we run the danger of just burning ourselves out, being ineffective and being disappointed. So whatever it is for you, um, find the Sabbath gift that God has for you. And we're going to take several weeks to just slowly go through this and talk about how to live as Sabbath people. And if God wanted to give it to us, it's because it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We moved back to um, Ontario many years ago from BC. And we had lived in Vancouver and moved back to Kitchener. And I had a strange experience when we lived in Kitchener. The whole time we lived in Vancouver, I don't think I was ever pulled over by the police. In the while we were living in Kitchener, I got pulled over by the police all the time. To the point that my license might be revoked, I had so many tickets. Do you know what all those tickets were for? And this speaks to Kitchener culture versus Vancouver culture. They were for rolling stops. You ever get stopped by the police and given a ticket for a rolling stop? Like I came from a big city where even slowing down at a stop sign was, was admirable. <laughs> and in Kitchener, they wanted me to come to a complete and final stop. Like you're on the airplane, sit down until the airplane comes to a complete and final stop outside the terminal building. The police in Kitchener demanded that I stop completely. I think a rolling stop is good enough. <laughs> what I want to say is whatever stop means for you, 
maybe you can only muster a rolling stop of some kind. But you like the idea. You think that there should be some stoppage going on in your life. Um, you don't think every car ought to just go through every intersection without stopping. You don't think your life should go through the intersection without stopping. But maybe you don't know how to completely stop just yet. Maybe you look forward to a day when you can actually have a really clear Sabbath. And maybe we'll learn about what that might look like and what that would entail. But in the meantime, um, watch out for too many tickets on your rolling stops. Aim for a complete stop. But remember that even the stopping is a gift from God. And it was a gift made for you. You weren't made for it. I wanted to say to the police in Kitchener, you know, you're supposed to be servants of the public. You're supposed to serve me. I didn't say that. I just dutifully said, I, you, you may not see me again because I may not be driving because I may lose my license over the fact on Fisher-Holman I went through a stop sign in a rolling stop format. What does Sabbath mean? Stop. Okay. What does God want you to do? Stop. Are we going too fast? Yes, we have agreed we are. Are we going to just slow down? At least that. But we're going to stop in this Sabbath model of stopping that will bless our lives. All right.